but also they recognize that actually my skills are going to make a difference immediately. And I think that that really like spoke to them and, and they just they just gravitated toward that. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. This is Annalise Corbin. Welcome to the next episode of Learning Unboxed. We are on the road again today in uh, the bustling city of Buffalo, New York. And we are very excited to be at the Buffalo Manufacturing Works. And today we're going to talk about manufacturing, uh, modern manufacturing in particular, um, and what that means in the world of K-12 education, post-secondary, and the future of work. And joining me today are two wonderful guests um, from the Buffalo Manufacturing Works. We have with us, Susan Witt, who is the STEM Lab Manager for Buffalo Manufacturing Works and who, for the past four years, has been developing and managing a program um, in a STEM learning lab that she's going to tell us all about. Um, a mechanical engineer by trainer. Um, we're really excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Annalise. And joining us, Susan, is Darius Melvin. And Darius is an educator who came to Buffalo Manufacturing Works to um, be the STEM Learning Lab instructor, to do the hands-on, one-on-one work with all the kiddos in this amazing program. And he's going to talk to us about what the heck additive manufacturing and advanced automation is and how that works in K-12. So thank you. Right. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, very excited today. So Susan, I would like to start with you. So first and foremost, help us understand what exactly is Buffalo Manufacturing Works and why on earth would a program like Learning Unbox be here? Yeah, absolutely. So Buffalo Manufacturing Works is actually um, operated by EWI, which is, as you know, out of Columbus, Ohio. So we're all EWI employees. Um, but Buffalo Manufacturing Works is made up of EWI, our partners in academia, which is University at Buffalo, um, our local MEP, which is Insight Consulting, and um, local importer-exporter ex- experts, uh, World Trade Center. So it's kind of, if you will, a one-stop shopping center for local SMMs, small, medium-sized manufacturers to come in, get help with um, manufacturing needs research and development, and then implementation into industry. And it's it's all around manufacturing. We are actually sitting overlooking the high bay, which yes. is my favorite part of this place. <laughs> and, and I've been very fortunate to sort of get to come and go over the last so year or so, 18 months maybe, and just sort of see what's been going on with the program, but also a, a really huge move, a new build. Yes. And so Darius, you guys moved from your existing where you started up into this huge giant facility, which is also going to incorporate this um, educational sort of experience. But there are other partners here. Tell us a little bit about the place where we are, Darius. So we are at the Northland Corridor, um, which is basically a revitalization project on the east side of Buffalo. Um, this This building used to be Niagara Manufacturing for many, many years. But more recently, in the recent decades, it's sat abandoned. 
um, almost like target practice sometimes over here. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of, <laughs> you know, abandoned, uh, and a bunch of abandoned factories that are just around this area. Um, however, this site was identified as a perfect place to bring together a number of things that were needed to help grow manufacturing locally. So um, the first tenant that was here is Workforce Training Center, uh, where they train students locally to kind of move up in manufacturing. So um, things like mechatronics, uh, also welding, um, and they partner with local academic uh, institutions here in Western New York to kind of bring those classes to, to those students. And then also we moved here just in July. So we've been here now for a few months. Um, but it's been a two-year process of just construction and all kinds of different like manufacturing just issues and, and different things that were coming to the forefront that needed to be addressed. But Buffalo Manufacturing Works moved here in July. Uh, and so we have we tripled our space and went from about a 20,000 uh, square foot facility to about a 60,000 square foot facility. And as you mentioned, you know, very beautiful, um, a, a huge space for us to be able to help grow the company, but also to have a number of different outreach opportunities happen here. Um, and of course, we're excited to talk about the learning lab, but nonetheless, we're here. Uh, another construction company also moved here next door. Um, we also have Insight Consulting here. So there's a number of companies and different initiatives that are here within this corridor um, that, like I said, used to be a old manufacturing facility is now just being revitalized um, and really helped change the face of the community here on the east side of Buffalo. And we're really excited about that. It's one of the things that we're seeing happening all over the world. We know that it's a positive impact on communities. When business industry and um, K-12, post-secondary, adult learning can kind of all come together inside of a community, community atmosphere, and just really change the future of how we think about prepping workforce. So it's really, really exciting to see that. So Susan, I want to talk a little bit about the origins of this program. So you guys are now four, almost five years in on this program around additive manufacturing and advanced automation. And so talk to us a little bit about how you got started in this space, because it's not necessarily the typical career path for a mechanical engineer to suddenly find themselves building programming that's going to make a difference or change the lives of some pretty young folks. So help us understand where this came from. Yeah. So yes, I, I have my mechanical engineering degree. Um, and out of college, I did work as a design engineer for many years. And then I took some time off and I did consulting work as I stayed home to raise my kids. So I think as some of your listeners might know, it's sometimes hard mm -hmm. to work full time, especially in a, a male dominated role and have young kids at home. So I, I stayed home and did consulting work in mechanical engineering field. Um, and then when my kids got a little bit older, I decided to go back into the workforce um, and I, I did a little bit of a pivot and I got more into, um, the workforce environment and this, uh, great opportunity came up, um, with a great initiative called dream a do it. Um, and it's a local, it's a national initiative through NAM national association of manufacturers. And it was, it, uh, engages and educates K through 12 in manufacturing and engineering opportunities in the local community. Um, so I did that for a couple of years. Um, and it was great. I went, I went out, I did presentations, I took students on tours, I talked all about engineering, um, and I was very passionate about, about it. Um, and through there, I, met, I made some great connections, and I met 
my coworker, Nadine, um, and she came here to Buffalo Manufacturing Works. So she brought me over here because one of the founder council members, Proxair, um, wanted to do something in education here at Buffalo Manufacturing Works. So they brought me in to kind of figure out what that would look mm-hmm. like because no one here had any expertise. And um, so I, they brought me in to kind of talk about, well, what should we do? And we kind of just sat down and started brainstorming. And I came in as a, a consultant role at that time. And it, that was really the birth of the Additive Manufacturing mm-hmm. Learning Lab. Um, you know, Proxair had really believed in additive manufacturing. And obviously, we believe in additive man- manufacturing. Um, so the birth of the Additive Manufacturing Learning Lab came about. Um, and then um, Steve Levesque was like, why don't you just stay and run it for us? Mm-hmm. And that that was five years ago. We had no idea where where we would be in five years. Um, It's been an amazing, amazing journey. And it's pretty Um, cool. It is. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Uh, You know, uh, being an engineer was very fulfilling and I had some, I had worked on some great projects, um, but doing what we do Mm -hmm. here every day and seeing the difference we make in these kids' lives. Awesome. Yeah. You know, when we see these students and our first cohort now are just going to start graduating college. Um, That's yeah. exciting. Yeah. It's exciting yeah. to see and it to is. have them come back to us and mm-hmm. say that, you know, that, that what they learned here um, at Buffalo Manufacturing Works and in the programs that we have here um, helps them through college. Um, it's very rewarding. A, it's a whole different kind of reward yeah, than, than what, what I did in engineering. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So Darius, help our listeners who don't know anything about additive manufacturing or advanced automation. What the heck is that? Right. Before we get into the nuts and bolts on the program. So as a teacher, and you came into this and you right. know all this wonderful STEM focus. So I want you to explain to us um, what is additive manufacturing and advanced automation? Sure. And, and you know what? Like, when I first came and worked here, I had no idea what it was either. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, even as I applied and, you know, in the interview and added me, I still had to figure that out myself. Um, I think that makes you perfect for the job. <laughs> you make it pretty well. Uh, yeah. So, so additive manufacturing, an easy way to remember is the first three letters, add, mm-hmm. right? It means you're adding layer by layer and building up a product. So additive manufacturing can also just be known as 3D printing, right? Right. right. So, and that can take on a number of different styles and a number of different materials, a number of different machines and different things like that. But additive manufacturing at the end of the day is 3D printing, right? Advanced automation is, right, auto, meaning that it's done for you automatically, Mm -hmm. right? So advanced automation, another word for that is robotics. Right. Uh, so those are the two things we focus on. That's the way I usually like to break it down to, to students, <laughs> right? Printing and robotics. And, and robotics, right. And, they, and that they usually, that. right, yeah. that usually at least reaches everybody's kind of basic knowledge of, okay, I've seen a 3D printer before, mm-hmm. or I've mm-hmm. at least heard of this before. Right, right. I've seen a robot before, right? Being able to do things on its own after you program it. Um, that's all additive manufacturing and advanced automation mm-hmm. is. But yeah, we're, we're excited to be able to, to teach that and break mm-hmm. that down. Um, and that's one of the things I really enjoy about the learning lab is that most of our kids who come into it have no background in additive manufacturing, have no background in advanced automation. And that's the way we like it mm-hmm. because then they all start at the same level. Um, and it kind of builds on whatever academic knowledge they have, their background knowledge, and then brings them to a level where through hands-on learning, they can then understand how this works, 
understand and then also see in front of them the impact mm-hmm. of this kind of technology on the way we make things and the way we do things in manufacturing. Yeah, kids get excited when they can figure out what the heck it has to do with them, right? right. And so that's that's part of the, it's both the mystery and the joy in all of this, right? And, right. and definitely, you know, additive manufacturing and the robotics components, kids are, they're, they're interested, but they don't understand how complex it is, which is the some of the beauty of the program. Exactly. So Susan, the, the program in its current form. So talk us just a little bit through. So you launched the program, you've got your first grads in, but it's in three components and we'll dig into each of the three components, but give us sort of the overview of what does the program look like today? Okay. Yeah. So today we actually have three classes. Um, we have a 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. 10th grade, we bring students in for exploratory, what we call exploratory classes. Each student comes in that comes in, they have their own workstation and the workstation has a laptop with um, state-of-the-art industry 3D modeling software um, and a tabletop FDM printer. Um, So we bring them in and they just really focus on learning 3D modeling software and learning the FDM printer. Um, And they just really get used to 3D printing. Um, In 11th grade, they come in and um, it's a more rigorous course. And they learn about all seven AM technologies. So AM technology, you got to help us out here, guys, and your acronyms. Exactly. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I know. Um, sorry. Um, they, um, all seven additive manufacturing technologies. So in the world of additive, um, it's split into seven um, technology core technologies: FTM, which is material extrusion, binder jetting, material jetting, directed energy deposition, powder bed fusion, sheet lamination. Uh, and that photopolymerization. Yes. And the kids um, learn all of that. Because yes. those are yes. a lot of really giant big words right. that you would think most right. kids would be terrified of. Exactly. So we, um, we break it down for them. We are fortunate enough that we have three out of the seven technologies in the lab mm-hmm. um, that the students uh, are able to receive hands-on time with. They actually get to play with the printers, see how they work, see how the technology works. Um, see how the prints come off the printers. Um, there's a huge misconception, thanks mm-hmm. to TV and right. movies, yeah. that um, something prints and you just take it off and it's ready to eat, right? right? And that is not the case. Right. Um, there is a <laughs> but some finishing work. There is yeah. a exactly. lot of We don't show that on TV, though, right? Yeah. Um, Right. There is a lot of post-process that goes into these parts. Um, And there's a lot of... um, There's a lot that goes in beforehand, even um, material selection, how you put it on the bed, how you set up the printer. Um, So we we go through all of that in the 11th grade class, right? And we're, again, we're very fortunate that we have three of those technologies in the room that the students can play with. Um, And then, again, very fortunate that we have another three out on our high bay Mm -hmm. floor that the students are exposed to and can see running and our engineers can talk to them and, and show the kids how they work. And then at the end of the 11th grade class, the students actually sit for the SME, Additive Manufacturing Fundamentals Exam. Um, So that's the Society of Manufacturing Engineers, Additive Manufacturing Fundamentals Exam. And it's an industry standard certificate. Um, And currently, I'm really proud to say that we have a 94% pass rate with our students. It's amazing. Um, Thank you. Yeah, we're really, we work really hard with our students Mm -hmm. on that. Um, We've developed a 
great curriculum um, and we've worked with it. Um, and, you know, I was really happy to bring Darius in um, and he's really helped us refine that curriculum. And, and the students who, who come in and, and work on that do really well on that certificate, on that exam. Um, and then senior year, when they come back to us, we have a program that's called industry-sponsored projects. So our students actually work with engineers on real-world projects. So they're, they're projects that engineers need to have done, but just don't have the bandwidth to do mm-hmm. or the time to do. Um, so the engineers give them the problems. They give them the parameters to work around. And our students design 3D model design and print solutions. And then they work with the engineers to tweak those solutions. And then they down select a final project. And then those, pro- those projects are actually implemented on course. Um, but amazing. it's yeah. not just the design. Um, we work with the students to do engineering reports and presentations. Mm-hmm. Um, so those students are not only working on their engineering skills, um, but they're working on their communication skills and their presentation skills and their team building skills. And so when they leave the program, they're, they're leaving with a lot of real world experience and they're, they're, they're leaving um, being a more well-rounded student. So those are the three courses that we've been able to develop over the, the five mm-hmm. years that we've been here. And that's pretty yeah. awesome. And, and, and so far, about 60 kids um, in, in various stages right. of the program yeah. at this point. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So we have, we have 25 workstations. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, so, so uh, and we recruit about 20 students um, for each class. So 20, 10, 11, you know, 20, 11th graders, 20, 12th graders. And we have, on average, about an 86% retention mm-hmm. rate every year. And then I would say we have about a 73% year over year. So if they start in 10th grade, they come back for them. You know, Darius will teach a little bit and show the kids a little bit of how things work and what they need for the exam. Um, and then it's all hands-on. Yeah. Um, they do a lot of project-based. I don't, I don't know the correct teacher terms. No, it's sorry. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, oh, good. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then, um, so then that's how they learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the pedagogical approaches we usually take in the <laughs> yeah. class, um, obviously you walk in and there's 25 workstations. Immediately kids want to get to working on those. And so we usually like to, that's one of the ways we engage is to have experiential yeah. learning, hands-on learning. Um, and then because all the students are working at different levels, right, that kind of um, satisfies a differentiated instruction model too. Um, and then we also like to use a lot of cooperative learning as well, um, where students are working together um, in different teams, but also working on various different things. Because when they get out into the real world, right, one of the um, things we like, roles we like to give students, one is a design engineer, one is a project manager, one is a support specialist. Each of those different roles have different responsibilities tied to it, um, but it's realistic to the way the world works, right? right? Especially right. in the manufacturing world, each of them having different jobs and then each of them being able to deliver on those jobs, right? And so that's, that's really helpful for students just to be engaged and just right. feel like their work is actually meaningful. And so bringing those meaningful opportunities to the lab is just obviously, you know, something that we use to engage students um, each time that they come in with yeah. something that a word like bat photo polymerization, kids' eyes might glaze over, but when they see it in action, right, and then are able to work in teams and utilize all those different instructional strategies when they're doing it, um, that ultimately helps students to really stay engaged with what we're doing. 
Yeah, and the kids the kids want to be involved. It's just by nature they always do. Yeah. So it's pretty pretty exciting. So tell me a little bit about because uh, I want to dig a little bit into sort of the nuts and bolts of each of the three sort of um, opportunities that kids have as they progress through the grade level. So let's talk a little bit about that tenth grade expo- exploratory course. Um, and so share with us a little bit, um, Susan, about the the two projects the students actually get to work on. And you varied a little bit. And so I don't know if this is a, a Susan question or a Darius question now. <laughs> yeah. So either one of you guys jump in on that. But but I, I find it intriguing the way you've crafted the actual project piece for, for that yeah. first year. Because that's a critical, because that's your hook. Yeah. Right. So I... Darius actually did the give a print, right? Mm-hmm. So that was one of his first um, projects. And I think I'm going to let him speak to that. because I think that's a phenomenal project that he came up with. So I'll let you speak to that and then I'll speak to the other one. Yeah. yeah. So last year, um, it was my first year in mm-hmm. the learning lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I like to do whenever I teach, this is my fifth year teaching overall. Okay. And so whenever I like to teach, I, I like to have some sort of connection to kids' worlds. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways we do that is... How do we find a meaningful opportunity for them to utilize these skills? And one of the things I like to do is, okay, what issue do you guys see around your community that you feel like could be addressed? And maybe they first think that it's not something that they can't do, right? Right, right. I can't help this other student who's for gain, you know, toys or gifts for the Christmas season because I don't have the money to help them, right? Mm-hmm. But you do have a printer and you do have design skills, right? Right. So one of the things that we came up with last year, actually on Giving Tuesday last Mm -hmm. year, we introduced this um, project called Give a Print, which we titled it, where basically students come up with designs um, and prints that they then give to a local charity. So last year, our local charity was uh, the Children's Hospital here. Uh, And so one of the things they did was, you know, did research, okay, Mm -hmm. What can we make for a student, for kids at Children's Hospital? What can't we make? Okay, this is something that I like to do so that I'm familiar with. So I really, I'm passionate about you know, making a Connect Four game. So okay. I want to make a Connect Four game, okay. right? Um, and then they basically came up with that on their own and they designed everything on their own. So one of the rules I always have is you cannot just go to an open source site and just download, download it. Download it. You have to do it you yourself. You have to design yeah, it yourself, yeah, exactly. right? Exactly. Perfect, um, perfect. So, yeah. yeah, so they utilized their skills to create these different toys. And we were able to give, um, I think it was about 20 different sets of gifts to Children's yeah. Hospital last year. That's phenomenal. Um, I mean, that is truly, truly inspirational yeah. and phenomenal. It was amazing. Right? Yeah. That and, is yeah. so cool. And I was, am- I was amazed at just how passionate they were about yeah. it. Um, I, I, you know, whenever you're a teacher, sometimes you, you have to give kids nudges. Yeah. With this one, they they just came in and ran with it. That's awesome. And I think that um, the compassion was developed Mm -hmm. there. Empathy. The empathy was there for them. But also, they recognized that actually my skills are going to make a difference immediately. And I think that that really like spoke to them and, mm-hmm. and they just, they just gravitated toward that. So that was the first initiative and the first initiative we're doing this year with the 10th grade class mm-hmm. as well. That's awesome. I'm glad you guys are continuing. That's great. Yeah. 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 It was an amazing, and, and to see them donate yeah. then, mm-hmm. you know, then we mm-hmm. made a, 
a, a class out of it and they walked right. down because um, we were still at our old facility right. so we could just walk right. down right. to the local right. the local hospital mm-hmm. um, and donate it was it was just great it was a, a, a great project all around yeah for sure um, so we were really proud of that one yeah. Yeah. And Susan, the second the second project yeah. that the students do in tenth grade, tell us about that one. Yeah, so um, they actually design um, bridges. Mm-hmm. Um, so we give them parameters. Um, you know, it has to span X amount of length. Um, they can't exceed X amount of filament and some other parameters. And then they actually have to design and three D print their own bridge. We partner with UB. Uh, you know our our partners in academia and University of Buffalo, um, our architecture department. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have mentors come in, some students, some faculty, and kind of guide students through. But they go on their 3D modeling software. They do research on different bridge types. Um, they 3D model and then 3D print. We do testing along the way. Um, and then the last class, we actually test the bridges to see who can hold the most weight it breaks it's awesome um, yeah. always fun yeah yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's yeah it's one of the best days like all yeah. the engineers actually come mm-hmm. in and watch, watch. yeah um, everybody likes to see stuff be destroyed yes. right when, <laughs> That's true. you know yeah. there's something about watching you know uh those those physical manifestations right. of failure right, <laughs> right. yeah because yeah, we do non-destructive evaluation yeah right. so, <laughs> so we do destructive evaluation yeah. Yeah. um yeah. is kind of fun yeah so um and the kids loved it um yeah, and I, who the winner? So was, yeah, the winner, his bridge held 112 pounds. Awesome! And wow. we're talking about a yeah. bridge that had to be 20? five inches long, right? 40 and, grams. Yeah, no, uh, 60 grams of 60 filament. Grams. Okay, of plastic mm-hmm. being able to hold 114 pounds. That's, like, that's, that's, that was pretty impressed. A, I was a lot, impressed. A lot of learning took place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No question whatsoever. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, so it was, awesome. it was a different take on, you know, that traditional, you know, uh, popsicle stick bridge that we've done in technology class. Yeah. yeah. But now, again, we're taking that that skill that they learn with the, the Bossa Wood and mm-hmm. technology class, and we're converting right. that into 3D modeling, and we're taking those skills and, you know, giving them the skills to think in 3D. Uh, and which is huge. And you're setting them up then for the next course, which is to take those same skills and actually earn an industry certification, right. which, you know, and there's a lot of back and forth and debate around the sort of industry search space and the role that K-12 should or should not be taking in that. And, right. you know, I certainly am, am past the work that we do. We, we absolutely advocate for any and every place you could possibly add an industry recognized cert into something that students are doing. You make it real for them. Right. It's exactly. tangible. So I applaud the fact that you guys have taken this on um, to be able to have the students do that. And a 94% pass rate is huge. So kudos for yeah. that. Thank you. So, but they, they get set up in that 10th grade experience. And so they opt in as the 11th grader going through the different um, seven components um, of additive manufacturing. And so as the students progress, are they working on seven different small projects then? Or what does that look like? How do they actually get to the end to be ready to sit for that cert? Yeah, so we do give a print as well with the 11th mm-hmm. grade class. Um, and one of the things we do as they're doing it is we build in teaching some of those technologies, okay. right? Okay. So they start on the FDM. Of mm-hmm. course, they all know that. And that's the most popular type of 3D printing. But like Susan mentioned, we have material jetting in our lab. Mm -hmm. So we show them that. 
And also we have that photo conversation in our lab too. We show them that. I'm really jealous because we don't have that one at yeah. I, I need that machine. Yeah, I know. It's, it's cool to see. It really is, man. It really is to see like all the lasers working yeah. together. Yeah, it is. Um, but nonetheless, since those are in the lab and they're doing give a print, mm-hmm. right? Maybe it's better to use a different type of material and they or wouldn't different necessarily colors. have been exposed to that technology in that year one class. They, they will right. have seen right. it, but they would not have programmed and worked with it until they get ready to come into the second level course. Exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So last year, our students were able to print items that they made themselves mm-hmm. on the material jetting and the VAT photopolymerization okay. wow. uh, technologies. But in the process, of course, hands-on, they're learning the process of those technologies, mm-hmm. right? So that first half of the year is just focused on those three in the lab. How can mm-hmm. we utilize this to make better products for Give a Print? Okay, okay. Then going into the next uh, part of the year, we then almost set them up for the industry sponsor right. course by introducing them to some of our project engineers mm-hmm. who then walk them through the different technologies that they work on each day. So the direct to energy deposition, the binder jetting, the powder bed fusion uh, technologies that we have here in-house. We have our engineers come in and speak with the 11th grade class. This is what I do. This is the process of it. Mm-hmm. And students are always so engaged with, one, somebody who's not me speaking, right? right, right who's right, a professional. Right. Um, but then also being able to see those different technologies in action um, and see it right in front of them. It really makes that technology come to life for them. And then we go back to the classroom and just kind of do like a, re- a quick reflection of, okay, what was this process? How is this different from the processes that you learned before? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the advantages of this? What are some of the disadvantages of this? And then what are kind of like the, pro- the process and applications of this, right? What, what would be the best kind of product to make? Sure, I can make a cup, a plastic cup on an F- FDM machine, but what's something that I can make on a powder bed fusion machine that probably would be better made on that than mm-hmm. on FDM, right? So um, you building on their knowledge from those right, first three right. and then adding those other three in. And then that last one, sheet lamination is really cool because it adds both additive and subtractive manufacturing together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's cool to talk about that together as well, along with already knowing the other six because it's just like a brand new kind of process to them. So that covers the seven over you mm-hmm. know, the first um, five months or so of our program. Uh, and then those last couple of months, we just go into some of the test prep and reviewing um, and studying and how to do you know, best strategies sure, for, sure. for going Be into successful. the test. Yeah. And then um, they take the exam yeah. uh, towards the end of the year. Yeah, which is very exciting for them. So, Susan, talk to me a little bit about that 12th grade experience then since the industry-sponsored component. And now these kids are not just sitting in the classroom. They're actually involved in real projects. These, this, is a, you know, this, this is with industry. This is a for-profit endeavor in that sense, right? This is very it's commercial. So a couple things. One, a, how do the students specifically get involved? And more importantly, Susan, what's the... What's the conversation with the industry folks? Or, or is there one? Do they even realize it's happening? But that's a real question I get asked all the time, right? So, for example, you know, EWI um, in Columbus, we can't put kids 
at EWI from our lab and place them directly, for example, what's going on in, in some of the spaces because there are IP, there's control right. issues, there's OSHA issues, there's, there's a whole host of stuff. But there are lots of ways that students can be actively engaged in what's happening in an environment like this. So explain it to right. us a little bit. So currently, our students have only worked with our engineers here at Buffalo Manufacturing Works. Um, we have had discussions with other industry partners who wanted to bring equipment in um, and work with our, our students in here. And we're still exploring those options. So it'd be a little different, right? Like there are... Right, right. There are a host of issues um, with trying to bring students out mm-hmm. on shop floors. Yeah. Um, especially, like, it's one thing to do a tour. It's another thing to bring a student out on a shop floor to do measurements and do actual work. Here, we've worked with our engineers to, pick, to choose projects in safe environments to know that they're not going to get hurt and to know that the, to work on machines um, when they're down, uh, we work very closely with our safety manager and our facilities manager. Last year, um, they worked on a project on a machine uh, that was nowhere near any other machine. It was very isolated. And we had enough, we knew the days that the students were going to be in there so we could take care of all the um, IP and, mm-hmm. and make sure everything. Mm-hmm. And again, we, we have a rule that anytime one student is out there, he's always by um, either an engineer, Darius, or myself, and we only let two students out on the floor at one time, okay. right? So it's not like you have a whole, you, we're not letting the whole class of 20 go out with one person, right? And then, because that's when people start to wander, things start to happen, kids start to lose interest. Um, so we've gone through and we've, we've really thoughtfully tried to figure out like how um, to do this. Um, we also take steps that we collect a lot of the data beforehand, mm-hmm. right? Um, to make sure the kids have a lot of what they need beforehand um, to start working on the project, right? So we'll, we'll introduce them. Um, last year, they worked on a project to create a adapter um, from one piece of equipment to another. Our engineers did a great job at um, doing a lot of the measurements, at precise measurements of pieces of equipment that we didn't want the students to have access to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we identified it. We identified those um, pieces of equipment. We identified what might be not safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the flip side, we identified what would be okay to give them that real world experience. Right. So it, it, it is a labor of love. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you do really have to sit down and weigh the benefits and the risks. And that's why we're still working internally with our own engineers and we haven't gone outside. Right, right. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's been a little difficult. But, the but students, it's very rewarding for yeah. students. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, and I would imagine for the engineers as well. Mm-hmm. Like if, for those who truly want to engage. Um, and so you actually brought up a really good point. I always like to close this program recognizing there are folks out there that are hearing this and going, oh my gosh, you know, what's happening in Buffalo is absolutely amazing. You know, would it be possible to do something similar? Whether it was around manufacturing or a completely different industry doesn't make any difference. But, you know, as folks are wrestling with creating new and better, more engaging programs for students, um, really rethinking the way we look at what is teaching, learning, and work in today's world as opposed to um, the way we've always done it, I suppose. And so it's hard. Yeah. 
This is not easy. What you guys have done is not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but that said, it's, it's obviously fulfilling and worthwhile. So I guess my question, so Darius is a teacher or a teacher is listening out there who are saying, gosh, maybe I should try this. You know, what, what, what is your, your, your giveaway to them? The one thing that, you know, you wish that you had known coming in, maybe that's unfair (laughs) because you, you came in on part way, but what, what would you say that is? As far as... You know, what, what's your recommendation if someone says to you, hey, Darius, should I do this? What do they need to know? Yeah. the I, I would say the recipe has to be just right. I mean, when we think about the learning lab, it's within this new innovative organization um, that's operated by one that's been established and been a leader in its field for a while. Mm-hmm. That alone is already very rare to find. But then also having a dedicated space to that to and mm-hmm. everybody on board saying, yes, we want to have this happen and having it happen within the organization where what you're teaching is, act- is actually in place and in practice every day and is part of what drives revenue here at right. our company. Right, right, right. That's a lot of elements that had to be in like, it's almost like the perfect storm for all these things mm-hmm. to happen. And then on top of that, we still had to have grant funding and we still had to have a lot of support from government um, as well to make this happen. So um, it's not something, as you mentioned, that it's just easily done. Um, Not to say that somebody couldn't just go out and start it, but it would just be very difficult to sustain, especially as a teacher. Um, I know most teachers are in, you know, either public or private school settings, and it's just difficult outside of. 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, having to plan and then on top of that, having to grade homework and test and then on top of that, having to do, you know, parent conferences and outreach, right? That's a lot of draws on the time. And I think that this sort of initiative takes a lot of time um, and just investment by a lot of different parties in order to come together. So not to say it's not impossible, but I would say that you just have to have the right partners mm-hmm. who are all on the same page. So to summarize all of that, I think (laughs) the one thing I would say is having all the right partners and resources together on the same page Mm -hmm. is critical for something like this to get off the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly at this scale. Susan, um, you know, as the founder of this endeavor, right? So, I mean, as that blank white piece of paper when someone said, yeah, let's do this thing, right? To the point where now you're in a new facility, you have dedicated space and you're contemplating, you know, A, the programming we have, how do we amplify and scale and do we start contemplating new programming and all that sort of stuff? What, what, what is your piece of advice for folks out there thinking about this that you would add to what Darius has suggested? Did I, did I take all the... You did. <laughs> he said it so eloquently. Um, but from know, an it, industry standpoint, right? Right. Because right. industry's thinking about this very differently than folks right. in K-12. So exactly. what, yeah. what, what is that sort of thought? Um, yeah, I think we... I think educate... Like coming from industry, right? Uh, I think education needs to engage with industry and I think industry needs to engage with education. Yeah. There's, there, there's such a misconnect there. Yeah. And now that I've been on both sides, right. um, I can see why, right? I, mm-hmm. I can see both sides now. And like my, my advice to education is just take a deep breath and really like 
keep reaching out and find that industry partner mm-hmm. who's willing to work with you because um, they are out there. Um, and once you find one, just continue to work with them and continue to build that relationship because um, it's only going to strengthen the pipeline. Yeah. And then on the flip side, industry, industry really needs to start listening and start coming to the table with open ears mm-hmm. and start start being more open to suggestions and start being more uh, having open o- doors and open arms to education. Um, it's not always, it can't be business as usual for industry anymore. We need to change. Mm-hmm. And I say that we mean like an engineer and mm-hmm. coming from industry, the industry lens. Um, so like persistence and just, um, you know, keep at it and you will find someone to partner with eventually, mm-hmm. um, I think is the best, you know, cause we finally, we eventually did in Proxera and I know, you know, once you get your foot in your door and you get started, um, and you start doing good things, um, you will find more and more partners out there. And I think we've found that in the lab mm-hmm. as we, as we move forward. And it's amazing community asset and uh, not only a lot of work, but um, huge, huge impact. So thank you both for taking time out of your day to uh, share your story with us and keep at it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank absolutely. you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.